All right, playmakers, big news. The 2023 version of my What's Working in the Indoor Play Industry Guide is here. To learn about exactly what is working best right now for real-life currently operating indoor playground owners, head to the show notes to download my fully updated free guide. That's right. Even if you've downloaded one of my What's Working guides in the past, you will not want to miss this new version made specifically with what's trending and fresh for 2023 in mind. Head to the show notes for the direct link or go to michellecarawana.com slash what's working to get the guide in your inbox right now. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. Hey, Playmakers, and welcome to this episode of the Profitable Play Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Caruana, and in this episode, I'm going to share six tips to make your indoor playground feel and seem bigger, especially if you're working with a smaller space. Now, last week, I did do a video on my YouTube channel on this topic, so if you want to see any of these tips in action, if you're a visual person like me and you need to see things to really fully grasp them, I'm going to link that video in the show notes of this episode. And I also wanted to address one quick thing before we get into today's episode. First, thank you so much for all the amazing podcast reviews lately. I'm going to post a handful of them on Instagram today. I truly appreciate them so, so much. And I am so close to my goal of 100 Apple podcast reviews before the end of the year. So thank you. I'm like six away. So in one review, and this is what I wanted to address, someone suggested that I share more about the process of launching an indoor playground business here on this podcast. And I really, really appreciate that suggestion, but I wanted to take a quick second to remind you in case you didn't know this yet, because I know a lot of you are new listeners or maybe just found my content or my business. I wanted to let you know that I cover all the pre-opening stuff over on YouTube. While there is some crossover content between my podcast and YouTube channel, like this episode, almost 100% of my getting started content can be found there. And I have an entire playlist about planning and launching your business with hundreds of videos. So if you're in the daydreaming or planning stages of this industry, please don't forget to subscribe over there. Of course, all my future owners in the daydreaming phase can still get tons of value from this podcast. It's never a bad thing to be ahead of the curve and to be prepared for some of the bumps in the road and issues that may arise along your ownership journey. But if you have not gone through my channel on YouTube, you are missing out. It's just called Play Cafe Academy. And again, I'm going to link it in the show notes. I started posting there way back in 2018, and I just recently launched this podcast in 2022. So there is a true goldmine of content there waiting for you to binge, and I also release about one new video per week. And this is because when I first got started educating indoor playground owners back in 2018, 
I solely focused on the getting started process because my inbox at the time was completely full of requests that sounded like, you know, how did you do this? How did you become so successful? Can I pick your brain? Can we hop on the phone? And because I had two under two at the time, two kids under two, and I had one location up and running, we were in the process of opening our second location and licensing and all that stuff. I just could not accommodate all of these requests to consult or quote unquote, pick my brain, which honestly is just such a grotesque phrase. I absolutely despise when people use it. But anyways, again, I created my YouTube channel and this entire business to help people get started with their indoor playground business. So my first 100 plus videos over on YouTube are specifically about getting started in this industry. Again, I didn't create this podcast until after the pandemic, until I realized how much current owners in this industry were struggling after the pandemic due to all sorts of issues. There were supply chain chain issues. There were, of course, the issues of having to close for months or even years, depending on what state people were operating in. There was a lot of new trends to adapt to and all that good stuff. So again, I started this business to help people get started, and then it transformed into also helping current owners. So it's not that I'm trying to be stingy here on this podcast. I just have hundreds and hundreds of videos on my YouTube channel that I posted, again, before I ever knew that my business was going to evolve into helping current owners as well. So again, I'm going to link that in the show notes. And yes, you'll notice that there is some content over on YouTube about optimizing your business once it's already open. But because my current owners are crazy busy and don't always have time to sit down and watch a video, I prefer to keep this podcast focused solely on troubleshooting and optimizing and scaling your facility and processes after opening day. Because God knows this industry requires owners to be agile, which we're going to touch on throughout this episode. We need to constantly be analyzing, pivoting, trying new things. Again, really being as innovative as possible. So again, I truly appreciate that suggestion and of course, all of your reviews, but I just prefer to keep this podcast geared towards my current owners rocking their businesses day in and day out. And I prefer to keep my YouTube channel largely geared towards my prospective owners and owners who are in the planning phase because a lot of those tips and suggestions come with visuals that I really need you to see in order to understand. Plus, don't forget my Play Cafe Academy course literally walks you through the step-by-step proven blueprint of the entire opening process, helping you avoid some of the most common and most costly mistakes that unfortunately a great deal of owners make that have long-term devastating consequences on their businesses. So that was just something I wanted to shed some light on before getting started with today's episode, but now we are ready to dive in. So as I mentioned at the top of this episode, today I want to talk about making the most of whatever size space you're working with at your facility. And you might be thinking, well, this doesn't make sense. This seems like it would be an episode more so geared towards prospective owners still planning their build out. But here's the thing. Most of these tips and strategies I actually ended up implementing months or even years into my business after I realized that I had not, in fact, made the most of the space that I was working with at the beginning. 
So if you're already open, stay with me. Don't tune this episode out or wait for the next episode. You can still utilize the information here. And for the information you can't use, maybe you're like me and it will allow you to think ahead and use these tips for your second or third location. So without further ado, let's get into the six tips I have for you today. And as another reminder, for visuals of all of these tips, head over to my blog, which is linked in the show notes of this episode, or watch this corresponding video on YouTube linked in the show notes as well. All right, tip number one, utilize wall space. This is one of those tips that I did not realize the importance of until I was several months already into my opening process. The cornerstone of our play area being a mostly imaginative space was our Lilliput play homes. And due to their size and central location right in the middle of our play area, they felt overcrowded, even if just a handful of kids were gathered in and around them. I quickly realized that we needed a way to spread the play activities around and include the perimeter of our space so that we could actually accommodate the 20 to 25 kiddos at one time in the play area, which is what we originally intended and what we needed to accommodate in order to pay our bills and pay ourselves as owners. So we did add some gross motor activities such as a few slides and a crawl and climb on caterpillar, but it still wasn't enough. Everyone was kind of congregating in and around these playhouses still. So I ended up doing some research and I found this Haba wall equipment on Pinterest while I was searching for a solution. And again, all this is linked in my blog. And I found a US-based business called Sensory Edge that sold, sold all of these wall pieces along with many other brands and they became my complete solution. And this is not sponsored. I am not an affiliate of Sensory Edge. I actually begged them to give me a discount code or something like that that I could pass on to you. But I totally understand that they are also a small family business and their profit margins are already tight as it is being a product-based business. So I am not affiliated with them in any way. I don't get a discount or a kickback or a commission or anything like that. I just absolutely love this business and they gave me such amazing customer service they made suggestions they walked me through the process they answered any questions that i had about the assembly and all that good stuff so again we ended up utilizing a kickstarter for this revamp to purchase all of these pieces from sensory edge because it cost us nearly ten thousand dollars and it was just not money that we had lying around at the time now we didn't crowdfund for the entire amount we only asked for about twenty five hundred dollars and we ended up upping that boundary to five thousand dollars and then we funded the rest ourselves from our working capital and the money we had saved from our first year or so in business and if you want details about the logistics of that campaign and the strategies we used really we used it as a marketing tool to gain excitement about this revamp of our space we used it to gain media attention and really reinvigorate our customer base especially because as i'm going to mention later in this episode by this point we had competitors popping up left and right so we wanted to get as much attention and as much hype around this revitalization of our space as possible. So while we could have fronted the money for this project ourselves, we utilized our Kickstarter to 
again, gain this marketing advantage. So go back and listen to episode 157 of this podcast if you want the details about how we used a Kickstarter after we were already open for almost a year. So after a few long nights spent assembling all of these wall toys, we did it all of ourselves, boom. The results were even better than I had expected. And as I detail in episode 157, we invited everybody that donated to our Kickstarter campaign a chance to preview our newly revamped space. And that added a lot more oomph to this marketing campaign and got our entire customer base even more excited and expanded our customer base and really grew our page's reach and following and engagement. I noticed that the traffic inside of our play area did in fact disperse and adding these toys also had the added benefit of making our space more inclusive of all abilities, which is one of our core values. And this was because these toys were all easily accessed whether kiddos were in wheelchairs or braces or crawling or standing. And these toys also provided autistic children or just children with sensory overwhelm an escape away from the more crowded and chaotic spaces inside of our play area, like our Lilliput Playhomes. But by providing these fine motor activities in the corners and along our perimeters, these wall toys really opened up our space, allowed us to accommodate more customers, and expanded our revenue potential. And we added wall toys, not just in our play area, but also by our check-in so kids would have something to occupy themselves with while their parents got themselves checked in and listened to our whole spiel and heard us talk about memberships and birthday parties. And it gave them time and patience to ask questions so you know they didn't have to feel like they were holding their child back from the play area. It gave them the mental capacity to listen to our policies. So again, these check-in area toys were absolutely instrumental to so many parts of our business. And we also installed these wall toys and sensory toys in our quiet corner that many parents used to relax or have a conversation or nurse younger siblings. By sprinkling these engaging wall toys throughout our space that virtually took up no space at all, we enhanced our customer experience as well as the accessibility of our space and our sales process, and in my opinion, was well worth the investment. All right, the second tip I have for you today is to invest in off-site storage. So one strategy I've talked about before and also cover in more detail in my course is how to effectively utilize outside storage so you don't have too much wasted space in your facility. We invested in a small storage unit less than a mile away from our cafe, and we installed wire rack shelving, just you know, pop-up shelves to stay organized. And anything we weren't gonna use that month went straight into this unit. This meant overflow of paper products, seasonal decor, and lesser used party supplies for our more unique, less requested themes, as well as equipment like balloon hoops and photo backdrops, toys that were out of rotation, and any important papers that did not need to live at the cafe, but we still had to keep track of. This storage unit cost less than $100 a month because we didn't really need it to be climate controlled or overly large or anything like that, but it allowed us to make our play area bigger, accommodate more customers, and have less of these items cluttering our home or facility. 
Now there is one exception to this strategy and Alicia, the owner of Gentle Hands Play Space in Tallahassee, wisely brought this up inside of Playmaker Society. So thank you, Alicia. So while I still recommend offsite storage for the items I've just mentioned, you should still have at least some available on-site space for storage or a multi-purpose room, ideally, which I really regret not adding to our first location, but did include in our second location. So while we still focused on private, high-ticket parties at our second location, having that additional flexible room meant that we could host classes and camps while also hosting a party or being open to the public if we wanted to. And yes, we could do birthday parties in there as well. And this is something that is really important for us in New York State because open play for us is very seasonal. In the winter, or excuse me, in the summer, everyone wants to be outside. The second 60 degrees breaks in Buffalo and the Rochester area, everybody wants to be outside. You will not find people purchasing open play tickets in May, June, September, you know, the first couple months of warm weather and the last couple months of warm weather. Open play literally almost completely dropped off the face of the earth. So this multi-purpose room also allowed us to reduce the seasonality in our business and replace that lost income with things like summer camp. It's really difficult to safely and effectively host profitable summer camps if you're just, you know, uh, mixing these drop-off kids with open play kids. It's very stressful. It's very clunky. It's not going to give anyone a positive experience. So I just wanted to mention that. But as Alicia mentioned, she would love some more space inside her facility to store things like balloon garlands. Because while balloon garlands were not as popular when she originally designed her space, like back in 2019, balloon garlands that people pick up and take to their offsite parties have become a major source of revenue for her now. By including a multi-purpose room in your build-out, again, you can expand your revenue potential in more ways that you can likely even think of now. Because we just don't know yet what the newest party trends like balloons will be coming in the next couple years. So if you are pre-build out or if you are working on your second or third location, make sure you include even a very basic multi-purpose room because of this. But if you're already open and you're finding your space and home stacked to the brim with retail stock and coffee cups and Halloween decorations that you won't even look at again for another year, consider investing in a small, inexpensive offsite storage unit so you can simplify your space and create more room for your customers and more room to make money. All right, tip number three, consider stackable tables and chairs. Now, this is another strategy I did not know would impact the success of my business significantly until I saw the negative impacts of not implementing it a few months into my business. And you'll see when you open an indoor playground, even if you feel like you're underwater and barely getting by, to everyone around you, I promise you will seem successful. People will come in and they'll see dozens of kids playing and they'll do some mental math, right? You know, oh, it costs this much to come in here and there's this many kids playing. Wow. They'll think, geez, these owners must be rolling in dough, right? This business is a cash cow. 
And who knows, maybe you're like me and you're guilty of doing exactly that and saying phrases just like that just before you started daydreaming about and planning your own business. And while this may seem like a good thing, right, that you're doing an amazing job of hiding the realities of how hard and all-consuming this business can be if we allow it, this can easily backfire. And if you've been in business more than a couple months, I can literally feel you nodding your head along as I'm saying this. People who were once your most enthusiastic customers and your most vocal social media supporters will seemingly out of thin air post a Google form survey in your local moms group asking for feedback about their new business dream, right? A play cafe that they plan to open just down the street from you. You'll start seeing GoFundMes pop up left and right, and it will feel like such a betrayal, and it can really suck all of your mental and physical energy. Once people perceive your success, regardless of how accurate that picture is, they'll start wanting it for themselves. Now, this is not meant to scare you. It's just reality. It happens every single time an indoor playground owner finds even a little bit of success or even perceived success. Even if you enjoyed complete market share at the start of your journey, it's not going to last. So what does this have to do with investing in versatile, stackable tables and chairs? It might seem like I you know, just went off on a total tangent there, but it all comes down to empowering yourself and your business with the power of agility the superpower of being able to transform your space easily and efficiently. For us, play spaces just like ours started popping up within a year of our opening. And while our revenue wasn't affected much because by this time I had already completely shifted away from relying on open play and I started focusing more on memberships and parties, which is a strategy that I I know I preach it all the time and I teach it in much more detail in my Play Cafe Academy course, but it is so important due to this and due to so many other reasons. But again, now I am getting off on a tangent. Even if our main revenue streams, parties, and memberships were unharmed due to their nature, which again is why I teach this focus, I did see a drop in some other more secondary revenue streams like events and classes. And even if this wasn't crippling our business, it did definitely make me fearful. I knew I had to either innovate by offering classes my competitors could not, or I had to come up with new revenue streams to replace this lost income. But it became pretty clear pretty quickly that our space was just not designed to offer some of the hottest, most in-demand class options like music and movement or parent-child yoga. Our play area did not have enough open space and our play structures were just too distracting for the kiddos. It led to the participating parents being forced to chase after their kids the whole class, which did not lead to them feeling like they got much value from the instruction. So we decided to replace our cumbersome and clunky cafe furniture with more flexible seating options. This allowed us to again be able to transform our space for things like classes, vendor events, and more. It also allowed us to deep clean much more easily and effectively, further differentiating ourselves from our competition as the cleanest, 
most upscale venue that you could host a party at or frequent for open play. And we were all of a sudden able to load our tables and chairs into a van and rent them out for mobile parties and off-site events. Again, it all comes down to not restricting your ability to innovate and evolve, whether it's due to new trends or customer desires or due to competition. If you restrict the use of your space and the use of your assets, things like your furniture and play equipment, you will directly restrict the revenue that you can make and the financial freedom that you can allow yourself as the owner of the business. So again, versatility is key here. All right, tip number four, provide counter seating. So one thing that we did incorporate into both our locations build outs was counter seating overlooking the play area, as well as compact seating along our three foot wall, again, overlooking that play area. By not needing to scatter seating and couches and things like that throughout the play area, we delivered a more open and exciting play experience even in a smaller space while still offering comfort to the parents who visited our facility. If you wanna see photos of all our seating, again, please head over to YouTube. That video is linked in the show notes. One of the keys is that no matter which table or stool a parent chose to sit at, they were still able to supervise their children effectively and intervene easily if needed. Of course, if you have a very large facility, this may not be realistic, but even if you're a large facility, if you have a toddler or infant area that may require more adult supervision, I'd urge you to at least consider adding this into your plans or again, adding this compact seating along the perimeter if you're already open. One of the biggest complaints I hear from current indoor playground owners is that parents do not supervise their kids in their indoor playground business. One of the easiest solutions to this is for us as owners to make it as easy as possible for parents to remain close to their children while still being able to rest their tired parent feet or nurse an infant comfortably. All right, tip number five, consider non-permanent movable walls. While this isn't something I personally did, I see many owners inside of Playmaker Society utilizing non-permanent walls to reduce their build-out costs and also make their space more versatile and agile, which I just detailed is so important for a business's success, especially if you're working with a small space. One of the companies that did this really well is My Play Cafe from Missouri, and the owner, Tiffany, used Everblock walls to accomplish this. While these blocks are probably more expensive than you'd think, they are still much more affordable and cost-effective than hiring a contractor to build a new wall, then painting that wall, then adding a countertop to that wall, etc. And one of the things I always tell new owners is that you just cannot predict how customers will use your space until you're open, until they're actually in it. Only once you're open will you see, oh, you know, maybe this counter should have gone here or, you know, adding this checkout here creates a crowd or a line that's uncomfortable and makes this bottleneck. And while I do provide all of my best practices for designing a profitable and pleasant interior in my Play Cafe Academy course, there are some issues that are due to a space's specific nuances that just cannot be controlled for or predicted 
prior to that opening day. So non-permanent walls are just one more way to empower yourself and your business with the versatility and agility I talked about so you can adapt and change your business as needed. And this is something that Tiffany did do after she already opened. She completely redid the interior of her space as she saw fit and she is so glad that she utilized these non-permanent walls because she would have had she would have had been stuck with the layout of her space had she built actual physical walls so that's just something to consider all right lastly tip number six use your facilities height to your advantage now this is one tip i did not include on youtube but it was shared by owner kim inside of playmaker society so i wanted to share it with you today she mentioned that one way she is making the most of her smaller space is to build up inside of her play area and use her ceiling's height as much as possible. I've shared before how much I regret, deeply regret, not adding more gross motor play into either of my locations for various reasons. So if your space has height, be sure to put it to use. All right, that does it for today's episode. Again, if you're looking for more tips, especially on how to get started with your business or plan your business or design your business or set up your business for success from day one, go over to my YouTube channel, the playlist of how to get started in this industry effectively, efficiently, and easily is linked in the show notes of this episode. And please, if you want to leave a rating interview, it is the best way to show support for me or for the show. I am only six reviews away as I record this episode from my goal of 100. And again, I just want to say how much I appreciate every single person listening to this right now. I love spending time in your earbuds every single day or you know, every week, however often you listen to this podcast. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for being here. And again, I hope to work with you more closely in the future. So if you want to learn more about my courses, resources, anything I talked about in today's episode or anything I didn't talk about, again, everything is linked in the show notes. I will see you right back here on Wednesday with a new episode.